Welcome to the Overflow Podcast. We pray you are encouraged by this message. For more info, notes, or other messages, download the Overflow Church app or visit our website at overflowdfw.com. Hey, we just wanted to do things a little bit different today, and uh, I don't know if I'll be able to sit still when I talk in front of people, but um, or at least sit in a chair. Things through Christ who strengthens. I can, I can, I can. Oh, thank you so much for the encouragement. Just kidding. That was a joke. That was a joke. Oh yeah. So. Anyway, we just, uh, we're in between series. We just finished a series last week called Roots, and then we're starting a new series next week called Wild. Everybody say wild. And so that'll be fun, and uh, going to just talk about freedom and liberty and all that kind of stuff. So it's going to be a pretty uh, exciting series that's been starting up for a month. So usually we like to either have a guest speaker or something a little bit different in between series, and we thought, man, it's the week before Valentine's. So I thought I would get my Valentine up here and uh, come on. And uh, yeah, and talk also just kind of give you guys a little bit of a taste. Those of you that are married or engaged, we're having a marriage conference in a couple of weeks um, called Marriage Encounter. We did it about a year and a half ago. It was phenomenal. We have, y'all saw the commercial. And so you can actually get signed up for that today. So this is kind of a little bit, almost like a commercial for that. So, and also just, you know, make me look good to have Leslie up here and he is winning. Look, he's winning at life. Look at his wife. Okay. So anyway, um, yeah, so it's good. Good, good job, Pastor. You know, a lot of people uh, will call, refer to Leslie as a pastor's wife, and I usually want to correct them and say she is not the pastor's wife. This woman is the co-pastor of this church, and so it's important to remember that that uh, that it cost her just as much, and she leads in this church just as much as I do. And I think that's important for yeah, young clap on that. So, um, so Dona. Don't stop. Don't do it. Don't do it. All right. Y'all ready? All right. We have the notes in your app. I think we've got some, some scriptures back there. We just wanted to share our story. Uh, we took some questions this week. Uh, we, we Thousands. Thousands and thousands, and thousands of questions, of questions poured in. Them. And so we got the best two uh, of those. So uh, <laughs> Ecclesiastes chapter 4 verse 9 says, two, two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help them. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Come on. Uh, likewise, two people laying close together can keep each other warm, which is really important uh, last night and tonight, hopefully. Um, that's it's cold. the benefits of weather. Yes. Okay. But how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. How many know that in relationship that God called us to fight together, not against each other, uh, and conquer? Uh, three are even better. And so that's what we like to focus on is three. It's not just Leslie and I in a marriage. We actually have Jesus in our relationship bringing us together because three are even better for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. And so that's exciting. Well, let me share a little bit, and you, you're just going to jump in here. We don't do this a lot, so if we don't look like pros at sharing together, it's because we're not. So, oh, yeah, but we'll, uh, we'll do well. Uh, in 1999, I moved to El Paso, Texas uh, to youth pastor at a church. I know that that was before some of you were alive. Um, and uh, just God was just doing an incredible work in our ministry, and uh, we started an internship in our church, and Leslie was interning uh, there at the church in, uh, I want to say, 2002, something like that. And in 2002, I was 
begging God, like many of you are, Lord, send me a woman. How many of y'all have ever been there? You've been praying that prayer. Some of y'all are praying that right now. And I was, I was praying and I said, Lord, I want a woman in my life by March. And I was real specific. It's okay to be specific with the Lord. You put the fleece down. That's right. I was like, Lord, I want it by March. And so we just, we experienced a lot of things. There was kind of a renewal happening in our church. God was really moving. And then that February, the end of that February, um, the following February in 2003, I was still praying, still believing, still calling out to March. And we were having a service in our church that night. It was a weekend night and it, it was February 28th. And I was, you know, praying, I was seeking the Lord, wasn't really seeking the Lord on you know, my singleness and wanting a mate and all those kind of things. I was just, I was crying out to the Lord. And we had had a, a service where people were getting up during the service. It was crazy. Like it was a spirit of generosity on the house. People are going around and giving money. And so I went in, just to give you an idea, I went into that service with like $30, gave away $150 and left with $80. It was just crazy. Like it was just people was giving money and stuff like that. And just this crazy thing that happened. Well, at the end of the service, I was so overwhelmed by just seeing what God was doing that I was laying down on the floor just at, at the end of service, and I felt someone tugging at my wallet. And I was like, what? Like, someone's taking my money? Like, here I gave all this money, and now someone's stealing my wallet. No, I, I fi- actually figured that somebody was probably putting money in there because that was kind of the nature of the service. And when I, I, so I got, you know, I tried to look spiritual, so I laid there a few more minutes. And, um, and then, I, then, I, <laughs> then I got up, and I opened my wallet, and there was a note in there. And, in fact, I used to carry that note around with me, but it started getting wore out. And I think we have a picture of the note right here. And uh, you might not be able to read it, but it says this. It says, uh, right now, this might not mean much, but when that day comes or when you find that woman and you decide to marry, whenever or whenever that will be, your wedding bands are on me. Or better yet, or better said, on the Lord. Dated February 28th, the day before March. And I knew in that moment that God was saying, Josh, I've got you taken care of. I, I know what your heart's desire is. And I'm going to take care of that. And then just a couple of months la- later, like about two months later, you and I got, was it two months later? No, it was a couple of months later. Yeah, it was just a couple of months later. Yeah. And so what, what happened is Leslie and I knew one another. She was working in the church and I was praying one day and I said, Lord, I want someone just like Leslie. And the Lord spoke to my heart. What's wrong with Leslie? And I was like, um, nothing. So... <laughs> Um, actually she was, I, I, I think that she might've been, you were just out of a relationship and things like that. So it was just, it was kind of just a weird time. And so we, uh, I ended up talking to her mom and her mom called me and was very, uh, we need to get together because we were kind of talking and I was like, yes, yes we do. Cause I want your blessing and convinced her in about 20 minutes. I was put the charm on. Come on, guys, guys you, got, you got to work the mom. Come on, let's just let's be real. And uh, so, and uh, her, her, so we the father-in-law dating. took a little bit more convincing. So. so, yes, so we started dating in April of 2003, mm-hmm. and then we got married in March. Yes, the following March. The following March. I wasn't specific with the year. Yeah. So the Lord. Yeah, so don't be afraid to be specific year. with your prayers. Absolutely. That's, that's be extra specific. Extra, yeah. March wasn't specific enough. I right. should have been like, this March. So March 2004, yeah. we got married almost 14 years ago. Almost 14 years ago. Yeah. So. Good. Yeah, Good super time. excited. Yeah, and then in 2012 we moved here. You're started right. Overflow Church. Yes, it's yeah. been awesome. Sure has. And so, uh, yeah, you've put up with me for a long time, and so it's a it's a good job, baby. Absolutely. I like it. Yeah, thanks. I appreciate that. Remember, remember that. All right. Uh, so we had a couple questions come in. Uh, the first one says this. Uh, we got this on Sunday. Who is your favorite kid? 
It's Mariah, right? Not Mariah. All my kids are my favorite. Yes. I would say that, like, that all of our kids are your favorite. When people are like, do you not have favorites? Yes, I do have favorite. I have a, I have a, a favorite 12-year-old girl. I have a favorite 10-year-old boy. And I have a favorite 5-year-old girl and a favorite two, three... Three-year-old son. When you losing count here, so the it's, more you have that you just yeah. you can't remember it all. And we're all, we're all all about favorites. Yeah. yeah, you're my favorite person, my favorite human. All right, right here. So it's good to have favorites. Y'all okay? Yep. We're not trying to be all sappy. We're just trying to be, you know, something. All right. Do you want to read the other questions there? Sure. Babe? So the next question that came in out of the thousands was, "What are the best and hardest parts of doing ministry together?" And so. That is a really good question, and some of you might be finding yourself. Oh, it's back. Yeah, okay, I don't know sorry. how that happened. We're good. We're good. Some of you guys uh, might hear that question and then instantly kind of like tune out because like you're not in ministry with somebody. But I don't want you to focus on the word ministry. But I want you to put anything in ministry. What is it like to raise kids together? What is it like to live together? What is it like to run a business together? There's so many things that you can insert in that. And and so for us right now in our life. It looks like running a ministry together. Ten years ago, it was just raising kids together. So we've, we've had different, different parts, um, different seasons of our life. But I would say that some of the best parts of doing, life to get, uh, of doing ministry together is that we are doing it together. We don't have two separate lives. Um, you know, Josh doesn't go, and then I don't see him again until, you know, three or four days later. Like, I know what's going on in his life. He knows what's going on in my life. And we get to do the same dream. We're living and having a common dream. And, and it's exciting to do something that you're pouring yourself into completely with someone else that's doing the same thing. Because most of the time when we're young, we, when we start dreaming about what we want for our life, usually we just, we're thinking as, as an individual, not as a couple. And so we have all these like great ambitions in our life. This is what I want to see, but it doesn't involve another person. And so a lot of times we want the other person to, to buy into that and yield. And so it's important, I think, for us to dream together that we have a common purpose. Well, even in that, if, you know, if you're not married yet and you know without a shadow of a doubt that God's told you to be a missionary to Africa, and then you marry somebody who says... You know, I'm going to be a teacher in the United States for the rest of my life. Well, that calling, those don't go together. And so sometimes, you know, you need to be willing to know, Mm -hmm. are your callings, do they go together? Or is, or, you know, one of us going to have to lay that down because you can't have two visions in one marriage. That's right. Because two visions are division and you don't want division in marriage. Somebody better tweet that. Somebody better tweet that. Okay, so before we were doing, well, actually, right as we were starting Overflow Church, when it was still kind of small and there was a We like didn't a have four stress, children and we only had we only, two. We had two and one in the womb. That's right. We did yeah. have one in the womb. Um, we started, well, you had one in the womb. Yeah. yeah. We started the burger blog, and it was so much fun because we both love hamburgers. Yes. And so we just decided, you know, let's do a burger blog. So we went around and we started with some of the most well-known burger joints out here in DFW, and then we went to some that were hole in the walls or whatever. And Josh is a, a fantastic graphic designer and video editor and all of that. And so it was just, just something that we could do on our own, something that we could do for fun. So we went and we But ate. I'm really good at eating hamburgers. You are. You're really so good, good at eating hamburgers, babe. And so we did that for gift. fun and we did it and and actually some people heard about our church because of yes, the burger blog yeah. and started coming to the church. So, but it was just something fun. So like we were saying, it doesn't have to be your job. What are you doing together that's right. something that you both like? And you're excited and passionate about. Do Absolutely. it together. And so when you do that, you you know you share the weight together. And it's, it's exciting. It's right. exciting to experience it all together. And, and not feel like you're alone, like carrying, right. like that's been one of the things about planning a church. I mean, we've, we know 
people that are in ministry together, uh, or like the man is, you know, the pastor and she's just kind of there, doesn't really have a calling. And it's, and it's hard because he feels like he's all alone. And so I know that that's a context of, of ministry, but any context, really, you need to have something that you're doing together. When you have somebody to celebrate with, absolutely, you know, when it's, when it's fun and you're excited, you know, it's like, you're not just like, yay. And then it's over. Like you can continue to be excited about it and then remind each other about the good times and stuff when it's not so good. So when it's not so good, um, back to the original question about what's the hard parts about being in ministry and what we've learned through overflow church. So back when we were first married, um, I, t- I didn't um, become staff just because we got married. So then it was still Pastor Josh, Pastor Josh, Pastor Josh. It wasn't until we moved into a different town then they recognized me as well and then here uh, when we founded the church together. So it's it's been different. Ministry has looked different throughout the years for us. But since we've been here, um, one, of the, one of the negative things for us or something that we're still learning to navigate is when our roles kind of blur. Right. Because um, Josh is always the head of our house. That's how God set it up. And, and really, even though we are co-pastors, Josh is the head of Overflow Church, and I willingly submit to him. That's not a bad thing. Um, but sometimes when we're here and we're doing worship, and say, for example, he's on the worship team and he's just a guitar player, you know, that's weird because then now, right. now he's answering to me, and then he wants me to still, you know, treat him right. like my spouse and not just a musician. You know? So it's hard. It's hard yeah, it figuring hard. out yeah. when, when to take off that hat. Yeah, you when know? to yield. Right. Yeah, and you got to, you know... Submission kind of gets a bad word, but actually scripture calls us to honor and yield to, to one another. And so it's not just, I think people look at submission as a, as a bad thing. Submission, if, if it helps you, then use the word yield instead, because there is sometimes that I have to yield to Leslie, you know, and there's other times that she has to yield to me, but it's yielding to one another as we're going down this highway. You know, it's like if you're driving down the highway and there's a yield sign, somebody's got to yield. And it, and usually it needs to be the person that has the yield sign, right? Or if not, if someone doesn't yield, there's going to be an accident. And, uh, you know, there's this place where I get off all the time on I-20, getting off to, to our house right there at uh, uh, Robinson, yeah, Lake Ridge. And then when I get up, there's a, there's a sign right there for everybody on service road says yield, but most people just ignore it. And so usually I end up being the one to yield to avoid an accident. And so that's important. That'll yeah, preach all day. It will. Good job. Well, and also um, just not only when our roles blur here, but sometimes we carry the weight of the church all the time. It's like our fifth child. And so when we go home, if we had a bad Sunday or if we felt discouraged or if, you know, if we were promoting this thing and we were hoping that 300 people would show up and then only 40 people show up, we go home and we're still taking that home with us because we don't, we are the pastors and we are Josh and Leslie and we are all these things, but it's hard. It's hard not to take the hurt and the weight and the letdown of the church that we're doing together back to our home, which we're doing yeah. together and let it affect our home life and our marriage right. and how we're functioning. And there. that could work both ways. And because we've been right. doing ministry so long, we've, it's a little easier to not allow the home to invade the ministry. If that makes right. sense, it, it does. Everything's going to be influenced by what you right. do because everything's an overflow of what you do, but we've really figured out a way. Well, we don't really allow the home so much to affect the church. I mean, it, it does a little bit indirectly, but it, the hard thing is really not allowing the weight and the things that we experience here. Cause I mean, we love, we love pastoring. There's not anything we'd, we'd rather do, but you know, it's like we bought the field and sometimes there's weeds in the field, you know, there's still work to be done. And so it, it is stressful at times. So that, that's, that can be kind of a negative weight. That goes into that. Right. But it still doesn't outweigh the pros. Absolutely not. not. Yeah, yeah. yeah, not at all. Awesome. Well, we're going to talk a little bit um, because we, we uh, you know, we answered all the, the, 
the tons of questions that you guys submitted. Um, but we, we wanted to take a little bit of time and just talk about like the journey of a successful marriage. And I know some of you are thinking, well, I'm not married or um, we've been married a long time. First of all, I'll just say that you're always a work in progress, no matter where you're at. And if you're not married or you're single or whatever, you can prepare now for your spouse later. So take notes and there, there'll be some stuff in here for when you. And really you can learn something from anybody. Anybody. That's yeah. right. That's Whether right. you've been married longer or anything, yeah. everybody's gone through something unique to them and right. that you can learn from it. Unless so. you're prideful and then you can't learn from there everybody. That's right. Okay. So uh, the journey of a successful marriage. So number one is this, and we've talked a little bit about that, is just living in the same direction. Um, you know, marriage is not about you and it's not about me. It's about us. It's something we're doing together. So when God put you together, he put you, I always say this when we do weddings, uh, some of you all have done your weddings. I always say this, that God puts us on, puts us together on purpose for a purpose. So God, the reason why you're with somebody is because God has a, a purpose and a destiny for you. So it's important, um, that you look at marriage as a journey. And, you know, really what I think most people look at marriage as is something that they can, what can they get from it? Well, I want someone that's going to make me happy. Well, first of all, no person can make you happy. Happiness is an inside job. So um, marriage is not there to complete you or to make you happy. And I would say this, if you're looking for marriage to be your source of fulfillment, then get ready for an exhausting relationship. Let me say that again. If you're looking for marriage to be your source of fulfillment, then get ready for an exhausting relationship because my fulfillment cannot be in Leslie. My fulfillment has to be in Jesus. And then out of that fulfillment, I can benefit her life. And so my job isn't to take from her. My job is to give to her, right? We, we talk about give. And let me say this also, you know, divorce is 50-50. Marriage is 50-50. No, marriage is 100-100. It's, it's 100%, 100% me laying down my life and, and her 100% laying down her life. So, And I would even add to that when we're talking about, about marriage, uh, living in the same direction and being a journey. I think a lot of times people get, um, have, have negative, um, preconceived ideas that, you know, that like the marriage is the finish line. Yes. Like, Oh, we've won each other. We're together. Now we're, now we're done. We've got, we've achieved it, but really it's only the beginning of a whole new journey. Yeah. And so we can't stop, you know, treating each other tenderly like you did when you were married, even though they're, you know, even though they're going to smell your morning breath, now. you know, like you got to still, you got to still put your best shoes on, you God know? God bless you, baby. <laughs> no. Um, but yeah, it, it really is. It's not, it's not the finish line. It's, right. the, it's the starting line for a whole new journey. Then yeah. you have somebody to run with you. Yeah. It's kind of like a three-legged race sometimes. It kind of is, you yeah. you got to sink your And steps. so, you know, sometimes like, you know, I mean, you, you wake up to, to hairy, stinky man every day. I'm not super hairy, but you know what I'm saying? You're I mean, not the, stinky the re- either. Right, I'm not very You're not. I'm, you smell I'm, nice. Yeah. It's good. <laughs> Awesome. It's that cologne you bought me for Christmas. I, I caught yeah, the drift. All right. So, all right. Let's talk. One of the, th- another thing. So living in the same direction. And another thing is just having big moments. And, uh, so no, no matter how long you've been married, um, whether it's just been a year or, or we've been married 14 years, uh, the Johnsons have been married 43 years, and they will be one of the Ooh, sessions on. at the marriage encounter. Yes. So you'll want to be there to hear that. We know there's lots of wisdom in 43 Absolutely. years of marriage. I told Josh the other day, we were writing up the bio for that, and I said, they've been married your whole life. That's crazy. If you are over, if you are under 43 years, raise your hand. There's like four people. They have been married longer than 
your life. Isn't that crazy? Wow. wow. That's awesome. Okay. So no matter how long you've been married, you can look back and there are going to be positive and negative mile markers along the way that are going to be, you know, good moments, bad moments, whatever they are. But, but you get to choose which ones you focus on. And those are going to be the things that mm-hmm. develop your story and, and, and make you into the people that you are and create the marriage you have. But, you know, you have to decide to whether it's going to affect you long-term. And, you know, bad things happen, and you'll remember them. You'll remember, you know, uh, the loss of a job that, you know, was a hard season, or you'll remember these things. But it's really where you're, where you're choosing to, to put your focus. And so, really, we are just all one yes away, one negative thing from saying, you know, sometimes, you know, you see affairs that take a long time, and they kind of brew and stuff. But sometimes it's just one yes. It's just one it's, time. It starts. It's, it's right. one time saying, hmm okay, you know, and when you should say no or being in the place you shouldn't be. And it's just sometimes we're just one yes away. One yes away from from negative destruction. Yes. Mile markers. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes you go through seasons like one thing that we've noticed is, you know, sometimes you have what I'll, I'll refer to as intense fellowship with one another. And so a lot of times you'll have a big, huge, like intense fellowship. And then other times you'll have like two weeks of little small ones, right? And so, but understand that no matter how big or how small it is, it's, it's really just a moment of way from breakthrough. I, I, I was thinking about, Les, Leslie made that comment years ago. She said that, you know, you're just one, one yes away from your marriage being destroyed. And so I was thinking about that, and I, and I actually tweeted this a while back. It, it says that uh, it is true that every marriage can be one event away from destruction. It's equally true that every marriage is one breakthrough away from being the marriage that you both have longed for. And uh, <clears throat> I think that's so important to remember because we lose hope, right? We lose hope whenever during the struggle and during the battle. And just want to encourage you that in that, man, you were just one breakthrough away from having an incredible marriage. And, and for us, like in 2010, we, we experienced that. Yeah. Well, I, I was just reminded just a second before we go into that, that one time we were at a marriage, uh, like little conference thing in El Paso. And, um, it's one of the things that stuck with me cause you were talking about intense fellowship and in yes. case you didn't know what he meant, he meant fighting. Okay. Yeah. Intense fellowship. <laughs> in case that went over your head. Yeah. Um, but one of the things that they said is, you know, what our natural tendency to do is when we're in a fight is we, we rehash the things that they said or everything in the world that we don't like about them, whether yeah. that's a little list or a really long yeah. list, the devils, they're like, Hey, and remember he didn't put the toilet seat down and right. remember that he forgot your anniversary and, you know, and, and then you're like, yeah, yeah. And you're building yourself up that on second all these one negative. I've never done. No, 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 no. And you don't leave the toilet seat up either. No. You're just a great husband. And I don't pee sitting down. I am a manly man. <laughs> okay. <So>. Anyway. <laughs> was, was, all right, Back guys, on track. Back on track. <laughs> Anyways, but. It's important. But important. what, but basically they were saying is, is we can't allow <laughs> ourselves to to fuel the fire of, of anger towards our spouse. And it's not the natural thing to do to start thinking about the things that you love about them. But if you, if in your frustration and in your fight, you can stop what you're doing. We, sometimes we call a timeout. We'll touch on that a little bit later, but just think about all the things that you love about them and all the things that they are, that they do well. It'll really start to bring that down that those feelings that you're, that you're having, because really in a fight, you both have a responsibility for your own actions, whether you're mad or not. You can't say, well, I said that because I was mad. You know, you're still right. going to be responsible yeah, for that. Absolutely. So if you can remind yourself of the good qualities and the things that you love about them, even if you haven't seen them in five years, mm-hmm. remind yourself of those things and why you love them. Mm-hmm. And that is a good way to, to right. bring that back down. So, so in 2010, we, we were needing a big moment. We'd had, we were 
uh, really unhealthy emotionally and relationally. Um, we were experienced a lot of kind of pressures in ministry, just kind of a lot of direction, uh, frustration. And most of it was me. You know, we had a, we had two kids. Judah was a toddler going through that phase, something we hadn't dealt with with our older daughter. And we, our marriage had just gotten unhealthy and, um, you know, we couldn't, we couldn't get over it. Like it, we didn't know what to do. We, we went to some people that we trusted and they kind of used it as, as a way to kind of pick on us, we felt like. And so there was really nothing that was really happening. And then we had this huge moment, um, because we were in ministry, we were taught, which this is bad thinking, no matter what we were taught that you can't share your issues with people. And, uh, because you shouldn't have issues. Because you shouldn't have it's issues. You're in the ministry right. or whatever it is that you do. You shouldn't have issues and you shouldn't have problems. But the fact is, is everybody has issues and problems. Everybody except, I got issues. I got issues. So yeah, do you too. too. Okay. Something like that. You know, those songs better than I do pop culture. Okay. So, um, we, uh, we were needing a big moment. And so we were told, like, we were told through this, like, really poor counseling that, you know, don't talk to your parents. You, you want to make sure that you have your reputation. It was like, well, what's more important right now, my marriage or my reputation? You know, I think our marriage is, is, is important. So Leslie just said, I'm going to talk to my mom. And when she talked to her. Which there is wisdom in not going to your parents to complain about everything. Yes. But. Complaining is different. Right. Yes. But when you need somebody. Right. There's a difference between complaining and going to someone for counsel. Right. Understand that? Like if you're nagging all the time about your spouse, then you're actually sinning by, by being negative and, and all that kind of stuff. So make sure that when you speak about your spouse and you need help, you're going for help, not to complain or quote what we call venting, which venting doesn't help you, by the way. Um, just so you know, that's a little free nugget there. Um, so Leslie decided to talk to her parents, and man, it was, it was the breakthrough moment that we had that we were needing. It was just a conversation. And really, I think a lot of it just felt like that she needed to feel like someone was there to listen to her, and then we talked to them, and then we got into some counseling. And then from that point on, you know, that was, we were seven years into marriage, and we didn't, I don't know that we would have said we had a bad marriage, but we were definitely in a very bad spot. And uh, because we were willing to go and have that moment, it was huge. And so now we look back and we're like, you know, there were some things that we said to one another during that time that we were kind of bashful about and the way that we treated one another. But man, it was like, that was, that was the year. Like that was the year that everything changed and our marriage got better. And then we moved into a new, um, as a result from that, we ended up, you know, have changing jobs and we ended up moving to Amarillo. And one of the things that we found there, which was another huge moment that happened within, you know, all these things within a, a matter of a, about four months is that we found friends and we didn't have friends before because we were doing youth ministry. And so everybody that we were with all the time was younger than us and they were unmarried. So we didn't have any married friends. So we went and there was a, a healthy yeah, church. So we got into a really healthy church and we made some best friends that we're still best friends with today. And they hosted um, like a young married group, kind of like we have our community groups and they had it at their house. And we started uh, becoming friends with these people. And when we were going over things and sh- people were sharing about their marriages, we were like, you know, sometimes I would just look at Josh, you know, during, during when people were sharing, because I thought, wow, we really have a good marriage. We really yes, have a yeah. strong marriage, but because we were so isolated and because we had this false mentality that you, that you shouldn't have issues at all. Hide them. Yes. You yeah. shouldn't have issues at all. And if you do, you sure don't talk about them, you know? And so we, so we felt like, 
our marriage was the most horrible thing in the whole world. And then we go and we start talking to other people. And we're like, oh, my gosh, everybody deals with this. Right. And then on top of that, there's people dealing with way worse things than we oh, are. Absolutely. And it was just yeah. such an amazing time for us to get healthy and to have friends. And like Josh was preaching just a couple weeks ago in the, commu- in the Root series about the importance of community and being there to hold each other up and, and just doing life together so that you know you know, hey, this right. is normal. This is it's, okay. It's not really a comparison, but it's a contrast. No, it provides an opportunity for you to sit back and kind of go back and go, you know what? It's really not that bad. But right. when you get so isolated right. and you're so alone, man, your issues are magnified. Yeah. But whenever you're in community and you kind of take that back and you can look and say, you know, our marriage really isn't that bad. You know, we, these things that we deal with are normal things right. to deal with. And like with. I was saying earlier, you can help the other couples out. Some of them Absolutely. are going to have dealt with something that you haven't dealt with before or, or something in that nature. And then they yeah. will be able to be a, a help to you there. Absolutely. Uh, number three, uh, have safeguards. Uh, so big moments, have safeguards. Uh, one of the things that, that we do is we, there's some rules that we've established in our relationship. Um, you should have rules in yep. your relationship. You they're, not, they're not there to hinder your relationship. They're there to protect your relationship. Yeah. And if you don't like the word rules, just say safeguard or guidelines. Right, yeah, for sure. Um, rules are not negative. So one thing that we learned early on in our marriage is never fought about money. Yeah. Never fought about money. Don't have separate bank accounts if you're right. married. You're married. You have one bank account. Yep. And then never thought about money. Yep. And so for me, this was kind of something that I had seen, you know, especially if you've never been married before, you have one example of marriage. Well, actually you have two. You have whatever you saw in your home, whether that's a good marriage or a bad marriage. And then you have the Hollywood marriage. Okay. Right. So that's all, you know, you don't have anything else to compare it to. You might have, you know, grandparents or something like that, but for the most part, you know what happened in your home and then you know this fake thing. Okay. Right. And so... In my home, my parents, they loved each other. They had, you know, they, it was both their second marriages, but my father raised me and he's a great man, but they fought about money. They struggled with the worry of finances and I would see them fight about money, the fear of not having enough. And I saw that it never panned to anything. I saw that God always provided for them because they were faithful givers and they partnered with God in their finances. And it was just the fear and the worry that caused stress that led to fights. I'll never forget it didn't amount to anything. Do you remember anything. when we made that rule? Was it when we were walking the dog? We were walking the dog. Yeah. We had a dog and we were walking the dog. And I was kind of, you know, I, I know it's hard to believe, but most, most of the conflict is it's me. And so uh, I said, I said uh, I'm being facetious, but I said uh, something about, you know, I want to spend money or something. It wasn't like ridiculous. I don't but remember the we, we, It was tension was coming up and it was about money. And Leslie said, nope. We're not going to fight about money. And that was the last time. And then we were, I think Mariah was a baby maybe. And it was like that. We've no, never fought about money. She probably wouldn't have been born yet because I don't remember okay. pushing her. But I, I just remember that, that that's it. And that, that was, was it. The last, and so it doesn't mean that tension. you don't have the thoughts that make you worried right. or the fear. But there's no point in fighting over it because right. it doesn't help anything. Absolutely. It doesn't solve anything. Yeah. So if you're worried about your money, partner with God. You'll be taken so care of. So that's rule number one. We don't fight about money. Right. Number two, uh, we don't threaten or even use the word divorce. It's right. not allowed in our home. Mm-hmm. We don't say that word. Uh, it's not permitted. It's not allowed. You don't get to use that word. Um, God put us together right. and let no man separate. Um, right. Number three. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> number three, no privacy rights. Right. Um, she knows all my passwords. I know her, her passwords. Right. Not saying you can't have your own Facebook account. Right. Um, yeah, well, I was, it was actually, as we were working on our notes yesterday, we were both like, oh, we need to go to the bathroom. So we have two bathrooms in our house. That's a blessing. So we both went to use the bathroom. And so then I was just kind of thinking, I'm like, you know what? 
It's okay to close the door when you go to the bathroom because that's something you'll decide when you get married, yes, okay? If please, the bathroom door is please, closed or open, yes, it's please. totally up to thank, you. Thank the Lord. Okay. Um, but anyway, it's okay to have the door closed, but you really never need to lock it. You know, when you're married, you really never need to have a lock because what, what is locked is hidden. And what is hidden is negative and secret. And so if you feel the need to lock the door physically or metaphorically on any part of your life, if you feel the need to lock something, then you're really hiding something from your spouse. Absolutely. And if you're hiding something, it's probably because you shouldn't be doing that. Right. So that's a deception. Sure. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Plenty of So Lysol. my spouse should know everything I do, not so much everything I think. Okay. Right. Uh, the scripture tells us a fool speaks his whole mind. Right. And so my, Leslie doesn't have to know everything I think. However, she does need to know everything I do. Does that make sense? Like I shouldn't be hiding anything. If I'm hiding something from her, then that shows that there's deception in our marriage, right? And we're not talking about like a gift or something right, like right. that. That's hiding something for her. Right. Um, and then another thing on that is like with privacy, a lot of times when there's been like a destructive element, like a, an affair or something like that happening, happen in a marriage, Sorry. it's okay, um, is that either like an affair or like there was like looking at pornography or, you know, something that that caused a conflict. Sometimes understand this, that details can sometimes become strongholds. And so what we want to do whenever we're victimized is we want to ask for the details. Well, I want to know the specifics. The specifics will not help you. They'll actually hurt you in the future because then if you have details and faces and names and all those kind of things, what happens is those create strongholds in your mind and it makes forgiving the person harder. And so it's not saying that you don't really need to know what the offense is, but you don't need to know the details of the offense. How many times, you know, all this kind of stuff. That's whenever problems prolong is the more that you know about it. You need to know that you're sinned against. You need to be able to forgive that. You need to get counsel. You need to move through those things, but you don't need details. Details will become the enemy. Um, And so So the the, devil's in the details. Right. (laughs) All right. So then the fourth thing is the the little big things. And, um, you know, sometimes we overlook the small things, but really in in the end they make a huge difference. And so if you've never heard of the five love languages, I want to encourage you to to look that up, whether you're married or not yet married. Um, But there are five love languages, and they are acts of service, physical touch, words of affirmation, gifts, and quality time. And everybody has ways they like to receive love and ways they like to give love. And it's important to know what yours are. Some people don't even really know. You know, Josh and I were joking when we read When I read them, I'm like, yeah. Yes, all of them. Yeah, sounds good. They sure are. Those are the love languages. But, you know, really, really you do... You know, when it comes yeah. down to it, there are some things that you don't might not even realize. Like when we first got married, I think mine was uh, gifts and quality time or quality time and words of affirmation or something. But then after we had four kids and I retook the test, acts of service was like way high because he started doing things that helped me around the house or with the kids or, or taking something off of my plate. And so that was like I really felt loved when he stepped in and, and did those things. So, right. you know, so I would just encourage you to, to look that up and, and find that out. Find out how you like to receive love and find out how your spouse likes to receive love and do that. Right. So what are some little things that, that I do that kind of help in the home? So the way that we've established our marriage, and again, every marriage you'll decide these things on your own is that we, we've made the sacrifices financially. You know, we don't have two brand new cars. We don't go on, you know, spending binges and all that stuff, but we wanted to be able for we eat, where kids eat free. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah we, we know where all the kids yeah, eat free. Um, anyways, we wanted to be able Sorry. for me to stay home and raise the kids. That was my, my desire was yeah. to be able to be a mom to my kids. Mm-hmm. And so we've always lived off of one income. And so my, my roles majority are at the house, you know, like the cooking and cleaning, which, you know, I, uh, 
sometimes do better than others. I'm a, I'm a hamburger helper kind of cook most of the time. Yeah. I know it's hard to believe, but uh, <laughs> Josh is a better cook. It's so funny. The kids tell him all the time. He'll cook something from, like, scratch, like chicken fried steak, like hand battered mm. and everything. And the kids are, the kids are like, uh. And then I literally the next night make hamburger helper. And they're like, Mom, you're such a better cook. I'm like, you have no idea. <laughs> Anyways. But, you know, doing things no like love. that, like... Some some days I don't feel like cooking, and I'll just be like, "Can you cook tonight?" Even though that's in our normal thing. in our in our relationship. In that's, our relationship, yeah. we've decided that's normally something that I'll that I'll do, so that when he comes home, it's already done. Um, but anyways, things like that, helping you know, being being willing to revisit our normal our normal nor, uh, our normal roles. Because let's say for the beginning of our marriage, I took the kids to school for like five right? years, yeah. and then when he started, when we moved out here, and I had Elisa, and then I had another baby, and then he was working. That became my job. Yeah, so then now he takes the kids to school, and it was it wasn't like we're unwilling to to change with time. So those are things that you really do that, that help me. And also taking the time out of your day to just like text me. Uh, back when we lived in El Paso, we started dating on April 29th. And so sometimes when it was 429, we'd be Hi. like, hey, it's 429. Yep. And so it was just kind of this fun little thing we did, right? But then he put a reminder on his phone to text me and it took me a while to get it but he'd be like hey love you it's 429 and then like literally he would nail it every time 429 and then I real one day I was like did you set a reminder on your phone he was like yeah and that was it that was the end of that but uh but it was still it was awesome and it's okay to do those things because it because one of the things that I say is that if you you got to work towards the marriage you want and so if you want to be affectionate and you want to be lovey, there's no problem in, in it being something that you have to remind yourself in the beginning because eventually it'll be there. So anyways, so, and also being playful with me because yeah. I'm a jokester. I wake up in the morning and I'm like, hey, and he's not, but you know. That's he, why I wake up like two hours before <laughs> anybody else does. I wake up and I'm like, just me and Jesus well, for or a like, while. Or like, you know, when we go to bed, that's when like I lay down and I start thinking all these funny things. And so I'll start to like joke and he has other intentions. <laughs> and I'm like, come on, let's laugh. And he's like, no, I don't want to laugh. Yeah. And so, but sometimes he laughs with me and that makes me happy. So. I laugh with you most of the time. Yeah, you do. And I think for me, one of the little things that, that Leslie does is that, is that she is happy. And she is. And, and let's just be real. I mean, sometimes when you're tired, like I can be annoying. But most of the time, I love it. And so. He's telling the truth right now. <laughs> I am. I'm being honest. Josh Barron right now. Uh, but, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, uh, just little things that, that Leslie does is, you know, being considerate of my stress. When I'm stressed out. You know, I'll let her know, you know, we, and one thing to communicate, which we're going to talk about, we're, we were going to get into more, but we're going to have to cut it short here. Um, just that she's considered of my stress. Like she doesn't tell me like you shouldn't be stressed. Like she understands that, Hey, he's stressed out. So I'm going to, I'm going to do things to be considerate and even accommodate his stress. Now, if I'm like that all the time, then that's a problem. But whenever, but whenever I am having these moments, then, then she's willing to step in and do that. And so for me, that's huge. Um, you know, and she knows that like messes stress me out. So she, like one of the things that Leslie does is she makes a mad dash before I get home. Literally. <clears throat> and My I, kids, five minutes, yeah. go. Because she knows that like messes stress me out. Like they just really do. Well, because, do. I mean, you're going to see when you have kids, like you right. can clean it at four and it's still going to be messy before he gets home at yeah. 530. So and like so, just wait till that last And so minutes. the fact that she does that mad dash, like that means a lot to me that she, that she will do that and, uh, and, and help me you know, to, to do that or, or even give me mental space. Like if I'm, you know, stressed out or I've, you know, I've got clients that are blowing up my phone or whatever, uh, because I have a, I have a business outside of the church that I do. And sometimes, man, they just, there's no 
boundaries when people have your cell phone. And so people are blowing up my phone. And for me, like, I feel like that every need is, is an emergency. So I'm always trying to answer everybody. And so one of the things that Leslie does is she makes sure that I have mental space and she'll, 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 she'll y'all look kids, let's go in the other room or something like that. And, you know, she'll let me, um, because I do have this, what I would, I wouldn't say it's just a really dysfunction, but I have ability to focus, but also I have an ability to get distracted really easy. And so every once in a while I have to go like get away to like write sermons and go away and get with God and, and just, and what it does is it makes me a better husband and a better man. And so Leslie's real flexible. And so that means a lot to me that she gives me that space to do those things. And then I would also say that upbeat thing is like, is, and, and sometimes it is, I'm so grateful to have a wife that when I get home, she's not complaining and being negative, but, but she's upbeat and she laughs. So those are the little things that matter to me and uh well one of the things that we heard um kind of back what you're saying about the about being stressed because we're probably not going to go over here but right is that we heard chris valadin out of bethel he said uh and they've been married like a really long time too right like right. in the 40 year mark something or something like and that, he yeah. said my wife and i decided the short story we weren't both allowed to have a bad day and so we heard that and that was kind of something that we at the did same, at the, the same time day. on the yeah. same day and and we really we tried to do that but then we really were like you right. know what that is good. And so if I'm having a bad day with the kids or something, then sometimes I'll call him or text Just him text before me. he comes home. I need home. some I say, grace I need today. some grace today. It's not been a good day. And then yeah. now he knows that he has to be there to support me, that if the house isn't, you know, right. done, that he can't, you know, let himself get on the things and vice versa. He'll tell me, I've had a long day. I just need some grace today. And then he'll kind of check right. out, you know, he'll just, you know, play games on his phone or something. And I can't be like, you're not paying attention to me, you know, because right. he already told me, even if you do need those 10,000 words and you only got like right. I'll just, 500, I'll just in. go talk in the closet yeah. to myself. Uh, <laughs> but, um, anyways, no, but we really, you know, that is something that we've, that right. we've adapted to our marriage is that, you know, we've had to work on one another, you know, yeah. and, 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 and be accommodating. And I think that's, you know, one of the failures that we see a lot of people is they say, that's the way I am. Well, if, if I don't adapt, we're going to have some problems right. and I, I've got to, I've got to make space. Yeah. And then number five, and then we'll finish it up here because, um, we did have a little bit more, but, but we'll get that. Is it in the notes the or we can, we can. Yeah. Number five is right here. No, um, I mean, are these on their notes? On um, the I don't think so. Okay. But so the fifth one is to communicate. It's so, 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 so important to communicate. You have to communicate clearly and that means thoroughly and don't expect for your spouse to read your mind. Um, that's like the number yeah. one setup for mm-hmm. intense fellowship is right. expecting them to know, you know, one of the things that, that Josh likes when we go on a date is he really likes for me to dress up. Yeah. More than I normally would. And so I remember when we were first dating, I thought, like, I was. Gosh, I'm I was, so high maintenance. You're good. You're good. Jeez. So I was like a cheerleader. And if you didn't catch that drift, anyway. So I thought it looked cute to, like, be kind of like Sporty Spice, you know? And so I went like that on a date when we were first dating. And he's like, So you're wearing, like, wind pants? And I'm like, Yeah, it looks so cute, you know? And so he. He had never communicated to me before that if we were no, going no, on a probably date. probably like had my t- shirt tucked in or oh, something. Oh, yeah. You were probably dapper as can be. But anyways, you can't expect something without properly communicating yeah. it. They won't know. Right. And you're setting yourself up to be disappointed. Well, it's just imp- because if you don't clearly communicate your expectations, then you're always going to be let down. Right. And, you know, part of our job is to meet the needs of one another. And right. So, and, and, and both ways. Yep. And so, so clearly. Clearly. The second one is carefully, carefully with compassion and tenderness. Be and, tender. You know, you, there's no accusations. You know, you should right. never, you know, point you, your finger at your spouse. Right. And yeah, when you're in intense fellowship, it's important not to use the word you. Well, mm-hmm. you are always absolute words oh, like gosh. that. Gosh. And we do that too. Yeah, but we're getting better. Yeah, we are. But yeah, getting better. nobody always does 
the Anything. negative thing. Yeah, yeah for never. Sure. And the last one is continually. You know, it's important to have your time when you just sit down when the kids aren't running around or when the TV's not on and you sit down and you really talk and you really connect with each other, especially after an argument or something and, and reassure each other, you know, that you're good and that you, you know, your affection. I want to say it was about five years ago. Um, we did this. We just, we sat down in our living room, like the kids or our bedroom, the kids are in bed. And I just remember sitting down and we just talked about what we were frustrated about. And it was just, I remember thinking, man, this is so much easier. (laughs) (laughs) So much easier than like trying to over talk the person and, you know, have her try to see things my way and and talking over. And it's like, so what's going on, you know, and just sitting down and having those face to face, you know, might be over a cup of coffee. It might be, you know, just for us, it's like getting in our bedroom right after the kids are in bed or like the other night we were kind of having like some little thing. And so right after the kids are in bed, we just sat down on the couch and we didn't jump into our TV shows because that's one of the things that we like to do. We like to eat ice cream and watch TV shows after the kids are in bed. Those are kind of like our day, our day dates yeah. and dates are important, but we do a yep. date every day. And so we were sitting there and we just talked and we made sure that we didn't get a, just allow our minds to be entertained, but we actually dealt with some of the things in a, in a, in a conversational format that, you know, and uh, after an intense moment or an intense fellowship. So anyway, those are some things that maybe will help you. Yep. It helped us. Yeah. Favorite yeah. ice creams? Chocolate. Well, we always shoot for lower calorie stuff. Yeah. I really like these dreamsicle, orange dreamsicle pops at Aldi. Saga. What's good is the, those, uh, remember that one we used to eat when we were dating? New York Super Fudge Chunk? Yes, New York. Ben and Jerry's. Oh, glory. That's a mile marker. Just well, kidding. let's just, let's, let's stand awesome. up. Let's pray. Uh, we need to be done.